again, it's good to have everybody out here. One of the reasons that we decided, or one of the reasons I wanted to do these songs in particular this morning is just because of how, you know, it honors God for his creation uh, and how we are here to uh, give honor to him. And I think of that a lot about his creation in this season. Fall is my favorite season. Um, and where I've been, uh, I've been taking uh, a long, long walks on my lunch break at work, and it's been so gorgeous. It's gorgeous, especially this week. Um, it was, the sun was out, the leaves were just beautiful. And I, I just found myself looking up most of the time because I'm just trying to catch glimpses. And Marshall, being a nice campus with a lot of trees, there's a lot to look at, and I, I love it. I know I'm not the only one. I, Ashley and I were talking last week about how much we love this season in particular. And it's like, you know, I, th- I looked into this and studied it once, this, how, in my mind, the way the leaves change. I know there's a scientific, you know, there are, there are scientific explanations for it. But God created those explanations, right? The fact is that mo- these leaves have this color in them all year. It's only during this time when the trees start drawing back that they're not making chlorophyll that these colors shine. And there are certain chemical uh, changes that happen to bring out the reds and the orange and the yellow this time of year. As the trees are signaling to store their sap for the winter, we get this beautiful show. And I think about, I mean, why, uh, why, why do that? Why make this beautiful show? Who appreciates it the most? Do I imagine that animals, that deer are walking around the forest going, you know, it's really gorgeous this time of year? No. <laughs> we do. You know, God's highest pinnacle of creation is you, me, you, all of us, right? Who else can appreciate this momentary part of a season where as the leaves are dying, they give us this beautiful display? I mean, we as, as people travel around to see it, right? We make plans, oh, we're peaked this year, so we're going to go here and hope that it is as beautiful as we expect it to be. People, people travel the country just to see leaves changing, Right? We appreciate it. We can take in that beauty. God did that. He did that for you. I really believe that. His creation in this leaf, in a red leaf, is a love letter to you. He reminds you of who He is. He reminds you of, of uh, what He has done for us. If He would make a leaf change color, and we could take such appreciation of that, imagine what He does on a grand scale. Right? I'm reminded of that. I'm reminded of his gifts in this season particularly. I don't know. You know, leaves changing. My favorite, our favorite holidays are coming up, you know. I'm a big fan of Thanksgiving myself and Christmas. Who doesn't like those holidays when people gather as much as we can this year? Um, It's been a crazy year, but God's gifts are still there. He is still God. And I look at leaves changing, and I just can't help but be amazed by them. So that's why we sing the songs that we sing this morning. And that's just like a little aside for me is that I'm amazed by them. And sometimes I go through life, and I'm 
you know, I'm not taking in the grandeur of it all because we're busy or we're worried or we have all our concerns. But <laughs> everything that he's created is just grand and it all speaks about him. It all... I always get this wrong. I think it's Booker T. Washington that says that nature is an unlimited broadcasting station to which God speaks to us if we would only tune in. That is a paraphrase of, of his statement, but it's true. God's known by his creation. Right? So as, and I thought, well, let's share this little story about fall that I like because I like fall. But then I started thinking about the other gifts and the real, re, the real reason for the story, this, or the lesson this morning, is we're going to be reading in Ephesians. We're going to be talking about what I consider, if I look at the first two commandments and I think that love God and then love each other, right? So the second commandment about love each other and he gives us this gift uh, of unity about loving each other. And it is a gift, right? And it's an important gift to maintain and to look after, unity. We live in particular times, they're somewhat divisive, somewhat. If you, you know, if, if you watch the news or if you pay attention to things on uh, social media, you could probably lose heart sometimes because we are a pretty rancorously divided people, at least in some regards. Now, in my daily life, I look around and I, there's not a lot of people that are up in my face spitting or whatever, but we certainly have a you know we certainly have a time in our lives right now where where things are divisive it doesn't help that it's election season that's always that always ratchets up the tension it doesn't help that this year has been a crazy year anyway that that's that's really put us on edge and made us uh isolated it's really kept us from each other at times and so just as i look forward to the gift of fall and the gift of leaves and the gift of, uh, you know, just that Christmas. I look, I'm looking forward to the gift of unity because I think we need to concentrate on that gift more and more now. Now, these aren't the craziest times that humans have ever believed, you know, had. I think that we all tend to think, man, is it cra- this is the craziest time I've ever experienced. Other people have experienced crazy times too. Right. It's not like... It's not like we are uh, alone in feeling, uh, you know, the difficulties that we feel. Now, maybe they're somewhat unique to us, but still, people have had divisions amongst them for, you know, forever. That's why, that, it's, it's really, you know, when I think about this, why this is part of the gift of the Spirit for us, is that unity, it's given to us. We're not really asked to create it. It's not telling me to create unity. We will read that it tells us to maintain it. Because it's part of that gift uh, that God gives us. When He redeems us, we are redeemed not only to Him, but we're redeemed with each other, together. It's such an important topic that Jesus, when He prays in the book of John, He prays for our unity. He prays that, you know, just like the Father's in me and I'm in you, that they are in me and in us and we are together. 
Like, if Jesus takes the time to pray over it, we probably should consider it an important topic. Unity. Um, and he, uh, as, we, uh, as we'll read, let's go to Ephesians chapter 2. All right. Let's start with, I mean, we could read the whole chapter, but there's other stuff to read. Let's start with verse... Eight. Okay. For it is this is Ephesians two eight. For it is by grace that you have been saved through faith, and this is not of yourselves. It is a gift from God. Right. This is your salvation, uh, not by works, so that no man can boast. For we are God's workmanship, created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. Now let's go on. Therefore, remember that formerly you who are Gentiles by birth and called uncircumcised by those who call themselves the circumcision that is done by done in the body by the hands of men. Remember that at that time you were separate from Christ, excluded from citizenship in Israel and foreigners to the covenants of the promise without hope and without God in the world. But now in Christ Jesus, um, you who were once far away have been brought near to the blood of Christ, for He Himself is our peace. He has made the two, Gentile and Jew, one, and destroyed the barrier, the dividing wall of hostility, by abolishing in His flesh the law within its commandments and regulations. His purpose was to create in Himself one new man out of the two, thus making peace, and in this one body to reconcile both of them to God through the cross which he put to death, which, by which he put to death their hostility. You can stop there. The way I read this and the way, I'm looking, the way I look at this is that unity is a gift that comes from his sacrifice. That God brought Gentile and Jew together, that God brought us together under his banner of love you know, to his cross by his sacrifice. And so we can see that unity is not just a topic to, to achieve. It is something that is given to us as a gift. And it is, like I said, I would argue that if, if I look at the fact that love God and love your neighbor are the two commandments which everything comes from, you know, all of them hang on these, then I believe that unity has a very special importance for us for us to look into and to think about as this gift from God. Um, skip ahead to chapter 2, verse 19. Consequently, and that's uh, what, what's the consequence? It's the consequence of what God did, the gift He's given us. So as a consequence of that gift, you are no longer foreigners and aliens, but fellow citizens with God's people and members of His household, built on the foundation of the apostles and the prophets, with Christ Jesus himself as the chief cornerstone. In him, the whole building, that is us, is joined together and rises to become a holy temple in the Lord. And in him, you too are being built together to become a dwelling in which God lives by his Spirit. We are the church, right? We are His creation together 
that is such a uh, it, it it is such a um, testimony. Just as I look at the miraculousness of his creation in the sky, I like I like to look at constellations as something I like, and I look at it and I take in the you know. One time I was in um, Arizona on a mission trip, and it was way out in the White Mountains of Arizona. Not a lot of nat- not a lot of city light out there, and you could see, you know, you could see the arm of the Milky Way, and I could see. I think one night we counted 14 shooting stars, and it was breathtaking. We it was amazing. We you know, how, in what other situation would you lay on your back in the dirt for hours looking up, but taking in the grandeur of what God has provided and made, right? This unity that is binding us together as a temple to him and a reflection of him is the same. It is a glorious achievement. And it is something that draws people. Our unity, the fact that we love one another, draws people. Now, do we always feel united? If it's this great gift and we're always here, do we always feel united? I would say no. And Paul, later on in Ephesians, will go go ahead and skip ahead to chapter 4. Let's look at chapter 4. We'll start with 1. Chapter 4, verse 1. As a prisoner for the Lord, um, then I urge you to live a life worthy of the calling you have received. Be, pay, be humble. Be gentle, be patient, bearing with one another in love. Make every effort to keep the unity of the Spirit through the bond of peace. Oh, we can stop right there. Make every effort to keep the unity. This is a gift that God has given us. It is through His sacrifice that He has brought us together. But we, it is our charge to make every effort to keep that unity. To keep together. It is only through... Let me just say this. Because it is a gift and I, because of the way we are, I, it is only through the faith and the power of the Spirit and the grace of God that we even are a united people. Okay, plenty of us have things that, you, that will unify us outside of, outside of uh, you know, God, outside of this gift of unity, like Lee and I may like gadgets. And that may be something we talk about or... Savannah and I are big Steelers fans, so we like to talk about our favorite team. Um, but that is just a common thing between us. That is not the gift of unity that comes from her being my sister and I'm her brother in Christ. I look at her and I realize that God gave his life for her and she can look at me and, say, and know the same. And that is through the spirit that dwells in us that we have, that the unity is, is. It is through the spirit that it even is. But it is our charge to maintain it. And how do we maintain that? Let's turn quickly over to the next book of Colossians. Chapter 3. Okay, in Colossians chapter 3, verse 12, this is, we're talking about the maintenance of, uh, of our unity. Let's start reading at verse 12. Therefore, as God's chosen people, and that's a gift of Him, 
holy and dearly loved by God, clothe yourselves with compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. Bear with each other. There's that word again. And forgive whatever grievances you may have against one another. Forgive as the Lord forgave you. And over all these virtues, put on love which binds them together in perfect unity. Look at this. It's a list, basically, to me. It's an idea of what I need to practice to build unity. Right At the pinnacle of compassion and kindness and humility and gentleness and patience comes love that binds us together to Him, to each other. But those are, the, those are spiritual disciplines that we need to practice. Gentleness, kindness. Now we rely on the... It's, it's through God's grace that we receive it, but we still have to practice those arts and those disciplines. I think about when uh, Paul's in Philippians and he says, work out your salvation with fear and trembling for it is God who does work in you. Right? And we talked, Pastor Steve talked about this before Genesis, so it was probably three years ago. But Philippians is like my favorite book in the Bible. And that particular topic, work out your salvation, a gift given to you by God, but he's telling you, Kenny, to work in that, to work in that gift, right? You're already justified. Work to be sanctified to to Him and to one another. It's a it's something we must maintain, and so we need to be prayerful for that. To how do I clothe myself in kindness and humility? Do you ever have those opportunities in your life where you're like, I did this just the other day. I passed by somebody, and I should have stopped and spoke, but I was busy or whatever, and I went on. And what did I feel immediately afterwards? Guilt. And I was so bugged by it that I sent this person an email to say, hey, I'm a, you know, hey, I apologize for being so (laughs) Uh, self-involved. But I, I do miss you, and it's good to see you. That kind of thing. Oh my gosh, I do that so many times. I'm trying to live my life more by the creed that says, don't do things that you're going to regret, but I still do. And that's because the whole idea that we have to maintain this great gift from God is because we're at constant struggle with the enemy of unity, which is pride and self. Right? We are in constant struggle with that. We're constantly... If I look at the two scriptures I just read, and then if I look at maybe... Oh, I read it earlier this week and I'm, I'm bricking on where it is. But it's another one about bear each other's burdens. Think about that. Think about bearing one another's burdens and how, um, I think that's in Galatians again. But we've read it three, if, if it's in Galatians, we've read it three times that that's a major part of maintaining unity is bearing with one another and bearing each other's burdens. In the one in Galatians, it talks about restoring a brother from sin. You know, but here's the funny thing: in that in that in that instance, and I'm not recalling it, and whatever, where you're restoring the one in sin, most of the scripture is about the danger that you face as the restorer not being proud about it. 
because that is definitely something that we tend to do. We tend to, you know, I look at Greg and mm, Greg's struggling. Well, that's, you know, oh, at least I can feel better about myself because I know that Greg's struggling. He's not, obviously. He's just a good example. Um, but we, we, we as humans and then the flesh, we like to be competitive against one another. We like to put ourselves in a higher position than another. Unfortunately, that's our natural state. And it is only through the grace of God that that state can be overcome. And that's why we have to work to maintain it. Because our pride is cancer. I mean, it is a cancer to the Christian, Christian soul. That selfness, that self-centeredness, it can be innocuous, it can be mild, it can be huge, it doesn't matter. It affects our unity. It affects our togetherness and our commitment towards Him. Right? And so we must strive to maintain it. So I want, we need to think about these things that we are, the, this list, you know, that we are holy and loved, clothe ourselves with compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. Bear with one another. The only way that we can bear another's burdens is if we are selfless. Is if we are working towards selflessness. The only way that we will continually want to support our brothers and sisters is if we stop thinking so much about our own needs and think about others. We're instructed to do that. All of, all of Scripture's instructions are about the relationship with God and the relationship with each other point to this. Unity. And the fact that, that, that uh, it, it is ourself that gets in the way and that we are made to think, we are meant to and designed to think of others. I'll say this at, in the same story uh, about being in Arizona at the mission trip. One of the things that we tasked our teens and our mission kids with was to, em to empty themselves because every day what we did was we ran a, uh, we ran a, 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 stay home, a stay away, a sleep away Bible camp for the kids of uh, the Arizona area. And um, a lot of, most of the kids, it was a, it was a Native American uh, missionary. So we had, the, we had children from the Navajo Nation and the Apache Nation. And there's a lot of, uh, it's one of the things they teach us immediately, that there's a lot of, that they're not, they didn't, they just didn't really love on their kids like we were used to loving on our kids. So, the, so these kids are, they have barriers built up. And one of the things that, we, that they told, talked to us about and one of the things that we constantly preached to them about was that, you know, it's going to take days for them to even start trusting you, but you've got to empty yourself, empty all your efforts and your energy. You are not here to be for you. You are here to be for them. And then at the end of the day, and by the end of the week, you know, the love that they have for you and that you have for them, it's amazing. And um, it's, uh, it's, a very, it's a very powerful lesson. But by the end of every day, every mission day, we would go out, have a little devotion, 
And then we would have this time where we would share with one another, and one of the topics that we always wanted them to talk about was um, what did it feel like to empty yourself? You know, because really, we are not, uh, and I would say especially today, especially, over, you know, we just, we're self-protective. We don't really look to empty ourselves that often. We're, we, even if we're together, we're kind of isolated. Because it's, it, it's vul- you're vulnerable if you empty yourself. You're, if I have to let Greg know what my burden is, that's, I'm vulnerable to that. Right? And so we protect our burdens even. Even though we are meant to share them, we protect them and hold them close. Because we don't, I don't want him to know my weaknesses. But we would talk to them and say, what was it like, you know, emptying yourself to, the, to this effort? And they, they were always smiling by the end of the day. You would think, you know, their thoughts going into it might have been that oh, I'm going to be exhausted, I'm going to be miserable. You weren't. Because you're emptying yourself for his cause. And that's easy to do when you're on a mission trip. I, I, that's one of, the, one of the reasons you go away for a mission trip because you are not in your element. I can't retreat to my house and shut my doors and turn on my TV and fade away. I have to be at it, you know. And it's amazing what God does in your life when you clothe yourself that way and empty yourself of self and put your efforts towards his efforts because he fills you back up. We're meant to do that because the only I really believe the only way that we that we can really work with the Spirit to empty us out and fill us with Him and His, His compassion and His humility and His love is by emptying ourselves. But that's the, that's the lesson, right? That's the struggle. That's why we talk about things like this. It's not like you haven't heard a lesson on unity before. And yet we still struggle in the same way because we are self-centered and we're self-protective. And we don't want people to know what we struggle with. We don't want people to know. I don't, I don't, I don't want somebody sharing my burden. Oh, it, it bothers me. But I realize that that's somewhat ungodly. I don't want to be a person that's like, oh, help me, help me. Well, again, there's my self-centeredness. And maybe I don't want to be that person because I don't want somebody to be that person to me because I just want to be, you know. Particularly in this time, particularly in this time, I know I've said that before, but think about the fact that, you know, this, the situation in, it, with this pandemic keeps us apart. So we've got to put double effort in at least, you know, triple effort in to keep together, to, how, to connect with one another regularly, however we do that. Here is important. There's a reason that God said that don't forsake the assembly. I really, truly believe that. Because how else am I going to know someone's burden if I'm not near them? How else will they know mine if they're not near me? How else can we share in joys if we're not together? I really believe that. That we as Christians were not meant to live our Christian life separate. And I'm not... Don't take me wrong, I'm not trying to say anything about... I I definitely understand about what we're going through with this pandemic. 
I just hope that when this too comes to pass, and because all things pass, when this passes, that we will not take our habit of being isolated as the normal. Because I know the way I am, that I live my life kind of routinely, and I, if my routine changes about four weeks later, that's my routine now. And it's hard to break out of those routines. It really is. I know it is for me. I, if this is my new normal, I make it my new normal, and then the next thing you know, if I go back to the old life, I'm like, no, oh, that just feels odd. I don't want us to do that. I want us to crave our relationship with God and with each other. Because the next thing you know, unity will be off the table. Let's go back to Ephesians. or uh, Yes, Ephesians. Let's go back to 4. One of the things I like about uh, this here is, uh, is just the idea that it, in verse uh, 3, we read it already, make every effort to keep the unity of the Spirit through the bond of peace. And then if we skip ahead to verse 13... Actually, let's go. Let's do. Uh, let's let's start at uh, eleven. Let's start at eleven. We're still talking about unity. It was he who gave some to be apostles, some to be prophets, some to be evangelists, and some to be pastors and teachers to prepare God's people for works of service, so that the body of Christ may be built up until we all reach unity in the faith and in the knowledge of the Son of God and become mature, attaining the whole measure of the fullness of Christ. Now, I want you to pay attention first to verse 13, because in 3 we've already said um, that we need to make every effort to keep the unity of the Spirit, and in 13 we read, until we all reach unity in the faith and in the knowledge of the Son of God, and become mature. So, this whole idea of maintaining this gift, it is a process. It is, and it grows the longer that we are together, the longer that we make our efforts towards it, the more it will grow. Okay? So we, it's not something that we like, hey, you know, I've got a great relationship with Lee. I don't have to work on this anymore. That's not true. <laughs> because Lee and I have miles to go, and it's, uh, it'll be wonderful and glorious, but we still have to work at it. We still have to continue on that path. The, the, the unity that we have now can always be perfected and can always be grown. But the other thing that I like about this, just because I say unity doesn't mean we all have to be the same. Uh, when Paul is, says that he gave some to be apostles and some to be evangelists and some to be pastors and some to be teachers, he gave us different personalities and he gave us different gifts. It's just like the... It's just like in uh, Corinthians about the body that we're all different. You know, the body can't be all, one, all arm or all eye or all head. There's all kinds of different parts that come together to form this. I, find this. I found this point interesting when I was studying about this. In the, in, the, in the reference of restoring a brother from sin and restoring him gently, bear one another's burdens, the word that the word that Paul uses about restoration is putting a joint back into socket. Right? I've never had a dislocated anything. 
thankfully. But I imagine it's painful to be removed from it. And it and when you're back in the groove, it feels wonderful again. I love the idea that we are that body and that when I see Chris and Chris needs my help, that I can help restore him and that he can help restore me back to our proper place together with one another. Fit together the temple. In closing, I'd like to go I'd like us to go to Psalms. We're not all together. We're not we're not all together. We're not all the same. We're not we don't have the same likes and dislikes. We don't have the same personalities, but we are God's people. As a matter of fact, it's the diversity of our personality that I think is a good thing. Because maybe not everybody is a uh, like a pop, you know, movie and music geek like I am. That's fine. You know, some people have different, but I'm sure that there are people that I can communicate with like that, and there's people that are more outdoorsy and people, you know, all these little, all these little diversities in our personalities and the things that we like, they, they, they're just there to make us connect more. God uses that. And so he says that, evangel, uh, you know, evangelists and teachers and pastors all of that is meant to bring us together and push us forward. All of that is meant for that. So all of our little personalities and the things that we have about us, God uses those to bring us together and push us together. So let's go to Psalm. Psalm 133. This is just this, the last portion about unity. And I love the visuals here, and I love what it means. How good and pleasant is it? How good and pleasant it is when brothers live together in unity. It is like precious oil poured on the head, running down on the beard, running down on Aaron's beard, down upon the collar of his robes. It is as if the dew of Hermon were falling on Mount Zion, for there the Lord bestows his blessing, even life evermore, forevermore. Um, can you just see that in your head? That the visual of that. Let's talk about that just briefly. Good and pleasant. The good is that it is a, a godly goodness, right? If it is good that we live in unity, that's the, that's what God desires. If it's pleasant that we live in unity, that's, what, that's the joy that comes for us as part of that, right? And what is it like when we're together, when we live as a Christian people together? It is like the oil that is poured over the head. Um, you know, when I think about it, that oil is used in anointing, right? And, uh, and that's uh, anointed with oil is kind of a, uh, it's a metaphor for being blessed. It actually was the blessing, but when we're thinking of it now, I'm thinking of this blessing. Usually when we, I've seen people, you know, anoint people with oil as we're praying over them. I never have seen it just, okay, open it up. Never. <laughs> you know, but that's the, the, but what we're reading there is the, the overwhelming nature of God's blessing to those who live in unity. That's what it's like. When God's blessing is poured down upon the head and along the beard of the high priest Aaron and along the collar, 
the visual that you need to get, the visual that I need to get, is the blessings of God being poured out through that unity. Right? His blessings are overwhelming when we live in the way that we're meant to live through the gift of unity. Now let's look at the do on uh, Hebron. Hermon, rather. Okay, Mount Hermon is the tallest mountain, was the tallest mountain in the region. Um, and the dew and the rains that were affected by that mountain's height gave life to that mountain. All the growth of plant life, it all came from the dew and the rains that were there. Now, Mount Zion, so 120 miles south of Mount Hermon is Mount Zion, where Jerusalem is, which was, you know, dry, drier, because it wasn't so tall. And so when we live in unity, it's as if God is taking the dew, the life, the, the beauty of His blessing in life, and moving it on where we are, His people. That's the visual that he wants us to get. It is the anointing of his blessing. It is the very life that is in within us, that he gave us through his spirit, is poured and falls on us as we live in unity. Because that's where he commanded life to be forevermore, here with us. I, I, I love this verse. I love this psalm. Three verses, or yeah, three or four verses that just explained to me so greatly how important unity is and how beautiful it is and how much God must love it to anoint it so excessively and to bless it with His life from Him and for Him. Because as we live united, we're living for Him and we're drawing others to Him. Let's pray. Father in Heaven, we come before You and we thank You We thank you for unity. We thank you for this gift that you've given us. I know how much you love us. I know how much that through your sacrifice you are building us together. I know that there are always forces that are trying to tear at that, Father. I pray that we as your people will be led by your Spirit for that blessing. That we will feel the anointing and feel the life that you're giving us through our unity, Father. That we will clothe ourselves with compassion and gentleness and humility. That we will make every effort to bear one another's burdens. Father, I pray that you put a spirit of unity through your presence here in this church, Father. I thank you for that. And we pray all these things in your Son's name. Amen. At this time, we're going to have another worship song, and in the middle of that, we'll have communion. But let's let's stand, let's worship now.
surrounding me, let it break at your name. Still call the sea to still, the rage in me to still every wave at your name, Jesus, Jesus. You make the darkness tremble, Jesus, Jesus. You silence fear, Jesus, Jesus. You make the darkness tremble, Jesus, Jesus. Breathe, call these bones. All these lungs to sing once again. I will praise Jesus, Jesus. You make the darkness tremble, Jesus, Jesus. You silence fear, Jesus, Jesus. You make the darkness tremble, Jesus, Jesus. Your name is a light that the shadows can't deny. Your name cannot be overcome. Your name is a light forever lifted high your name could not be overcome Jesus Jesus you make the darkness tremble Jesus Jesus you silence fear Jesus Jesus you make the darkness tremble, Jesus, Jesus. While we're in this place of worship, I ask This reminder of the great gift that he has given us. This body and this bread. If you would, you know the pattern. Come forward and say, go ahead. Think about Think about say this all the time, but I want you to look at each other. I want you to think about the fact that not that we're commemorating and remembering His gift to us and His salvation that He freely gave. But that connection with each other that we get from this. 
think about that connection that we get from each other, from Him for each other as we take this. And as we are in this moment of worship, that is, we think about Jesus, the giver of that gift, and this connection that we have with one another through Him. I'm thankful for that. Father in heaven, we thank you. We pray your blessing of these elements. Father, that they remind us of you, that we are, we are taking this communion as, a, as an honor to the, great, the greatest gift, you, for us. And we're not worthy of it, but you make us worthy. We didn't deserve it, but you love us anyway. You loved us before we even knew how to love. Father, I thank you for this, and as we take these things, Father, remind us of our connection to you and our connection to each other. Let's take of these things. Amen.